This is a HeadGum Podcast. Thanks for listening to No Joke with Billy and Adam on the HeadGum Podcast Network. This is the show where Billy and I tackle a topic oh so loosely and discuss our previous, present, and future relationship to it. Today's topic was Saturday Night Live. We hope you enjoy the No Joke Podcast. Okay, welcome back. It is episode 27 of this, the No Joke Podcast. I am Billy Scafuri. I am Adam Lustick. And we are happy to be here on another Friday. It is now the summer. It is now July. What are the dog days? I don't know if these are the dog days, but I feel like July is what is referred to as dem dog days. I would say July is more like the puppy days. Puppy and days. August is the dog, dog days. Dog ass days. Where you're just so over the yep. heat. Yep, yep. When hot dog smell doesn't smell good anymore. It just smells like regular dog. Yeah, when baseball players don't want to play anymore can we take the month off yeah i guess that i am putting it in context like of ba- baseball players and the baseball season is sort of my my frame of reference for like the dog days because that right. season is so damn long right these guys are out there in their pants in 95 degree heat it's august jesus yeah. christ they have to wear belts oh. in the summer all summer yeah hot <laughs> all summer you were telling me that like i mean you know the baseball season is 162 games long yeah. for now i yeah. mean that might that sort of subject to change maybe that will be short probably or reduced not. probably not probably not but like i think you were telling me like these guys i mean obviously in 2016 all professional sports are 24 7 12 month a year jobs obviously right. but baseball just seems particularly a long time on the job well look in the course so of your year regardless if you make the playoffs or anything you're playing 162 real <laughs> days real games a year which is already half the calendar then you have a couple off days throughout your season so that's probably about 200 to 205 days of the year already just dedicated to the regular season. Then they have something called spring training. Yes. That lasts well over a month. So now tack on another 40 days. Now you're about 250 days into the calendar. That's a ton. Then if you're like my beloved New York Mets, (laughs) you make it through all of the divisional playoffs and into the World Series, which is another month plus. That's your whole year. So now you're almost looking at 280 days or so committed to simply just playing the game. There's only 365 days in the year. You know, that's like 90% of your year that you are forced to wear a team-sanctioned belt. Now, look, football players play 16 games over the course of one year. Right. However, right. Th- what they go through physically... Far more taxing, rough. far harder on their bodies, etc. Rough. Right. Yeah, no one really considers how um, how much travel plays into just beating down a player as Seriously. well. These guys are on the road. I mean, basketball players and football players travel after their games. Yes. But baseball players park for three days, go to the next one. It's park constant. for three days, go to the next one. Cities must just blur together in this way that it's like they just see the inside of a Hyatt and then the inside of a baseball stadium and then the inside of a Hyatt and then the inside of a baseball stadium. That must be one of the hardest sports to start a family with. Seriously. You know, because you are on the road. The whole I mean, year. Spring training isn't even in your hometown. You Florida still have or to go Arizona. To Arizona or Florida. <laughs> yes. Yeah, not easy. Yeah. Two, with all due respect, uh, more compromised states of the union, I would say. What's that? Florida and Arizona. <laughs> not, not, not two of our shiny beacons, I would say, of American states. But no, great no disrespect. for practice baseball. Super for practice. We rely on them for practice baseball. They're practice states. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry. Right. I didn't mean that. Um, today, we are actually talking about a different uh, sort of uh, professional, almost athletic endeavor. Hmm. Uh, we're talking about Saturday Night Live. That's right. Uh, SNL. The iconic Saturday Night Live. One of our American cultural institutions that has been around for now 40, maybe one, two years. If you're 45 years old, you 
barely know what it's like to live without Saturday That's Night Live. That's true. It's, if you are seven years old or younger, A, why are you listening to the podcast? <laughs> yeah, really. Go it's, to school. It is family friendly, Go but why are you listening? Honestly. Um, but b- if you're seven years old, you don't know what it's like to have a white president. <laughs> oh, my God. You've never had a white president. How about that? And there's a very good shot that you may for your next eight years after this, up until you're 16, not know what it's like to have a white male president. That is so funny that those people are like, f- like when are we finally going to get a white guy in there? Totally. But from their perspective, it's like, Jesus. Yeah. It's either a black guy or a lady. Jesus right. Christ. But you need to be 45 <laughs> years old to know what it's like to live in a world without Saturday Night Live. That's right. And even then, you were only two years old and then it came on. Yeah. It's an institution. Yes. The- the longest, I'd say, longest and strongest comedy institution. That's for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Because you could say that uh, National Lampoon's, uh, the magazine out of Harvard, yep. um, might have like like pre-existed SNL. Did it? I, I ask out of ignorance. But I don't really know the timeline on I'm that. not sure, yeah. but I do know that that is basically the minor league spring training baseball to the major leagues, <laughs> they... which is SNL. Thank you. They call up about 30% of the people from that magazine to come straight to SNL. SNL is the New York Mets. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But... um. They're about 42 years in, and yeah. I'd say everyone has some sort of relationship. Even if you don't watch, even if you never and your family never watched yes. Saturday Night Live, you were just influenced by the comedians that came out of it and then became these movie stars. I know. that just be, I mean, Lorne Michaels is such a kingmaker and is such a godfather yeah. <laughs> in the industry. Yeah. I think about that whenever I see like Fallon and Myers and Fred Armisen and Seth Myers and documentary. It's like Lorne Michaels, the influence of Lorne Michaels is so far-reaching yes. and so intensely widespread. Yeah. Almost in like a intimidating way like he's got such a reach sometimes, on the comedy scape sometimes in sports it's hard to and even not even sports sometimes in like entertainment it's hard to explain what an executive producer does yeah and if you think about it like sports if you have a sports background he's the general manager he assembles the talent yes he builds out the team that thinks that this will do the best for our product yes. our product is Saturday Night Live he has always had such an incredible eye for talent yes clearly yeah it started about 42 years ago yes. with the not ready for primetime players yes. is that right now Bill you are and just for to context I mean you are slightly more of an SNL scholar than I am just 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 by default well we'll, we'll see we'll see, yeah. <laughs> we'll see we have about 42 minutes to see if <laughs> to that uh, that's true yeah, to see if that claim actually plays out <laughs> um, but yes not ready for primetime players and this was like 75 okay 74 5 yeah dates don't matter but Something around like there that. yeah the hip 70s and we're talking about bill murray and gilda radner and garrett morris mm-hmm. and a handful of others dan Aykroyd, obviously um, belushi yeah of course uh, you know okay yes so that those are the guys that like set it off yeah and it was they were called the not ready for primetime players because they were just a ragtag group of people jane Curtin, even yes yes that was my yeah. just quick jane Curtin side story please i think my mom went to the same college as her no and kidding. i think they may have auditioned for the same place <laughs> and i think that jane Curtin may have gotten most of those roles and i think now my mom begrudges Jane. <laughs> That's her rival. <laughs> so yeah. it's funny. I never could just give in to Jane Curtin because <laughs> somewhere in my like deep recess of my memories, I was like, I think she did my mom wrong indirectly. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that now it's like she's become a celebrity rival when it was actually just an authentic college, right. collegiate rival. Right. Oh, that's hilarious. But it was must-see TV. Yes. It was must-see TV. People would stay home on Saturday nights at 1130 to watch these shows. So even the not ready for primetime players, that was Saturday 1130. I believe that's when so. That was- yeah. Now, and it was a live it, show? I believe, I believe so. Yes, yes. I mean, again, we're not experts yes, on these topics. Experts. We're just walking through what we remember. We're inferring some of these right. things. Yeah. But it, it seemed like it was a thing. And mm-hmm. I remember like hearing about 
even my parents they it was still a thing even when they were raising us like yes. the trickle down thing yes. where it was like we watch saturday night live yes it was like an institution in my house did you have did your family have those joint television watching sessions with saturday night live or any other show not saturday night live um i in retrospect i wish that we had i think it was like obviously you're not staying up late as a kid at right. 30 obviously right so like even when that tradition would have been born would have been not till like i'm 11 or 12 sort right. of in the mid um chris farley chris rock adam sandler david spade years i mean look i was watching Bama. i was watching snl yeah definitely not like a parent with my family it was not like a traditional baked into our family tradition thing seinfeld yeah. was right and there were some other shows that were but snl wasn't that for me it was yeah. for you 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 were watching it with frank and marianne you know, at home i want to believe so but now when i try and think back on the experiences yeah. it's not that way i'm trying to remember how we actually consumed snl because yeah. i feel like i can speak on sketches verbatim yeah you know but i can't remember like watching it from 11 30 to 1 necessarily yeah well that's what almost made it that's what like added to the mystique a little bit to me mm, too yeah. was just like the kids who would watch it who like would stay up and then come into school on monday and like talk about the mayor Catherine gallagher sketch that like i didn't see but now i have to see right and that's a great point in 1999 how was i going ex post facto go i'm not like i'm watching the clip on hulu exactly it's just like, no, I'm like seeing it the next day i don't know how we knew so much about <laughs> snl but just, man did we yeah um who was your like first real cast when you're like I like I know like these people I I just understand them they seem like me a little I think that again I think that I'm right in there as I'm born in 83 so like very child of the 90s I'm right there with Farley and Spade and Sandler and Chris Rock movie stars all movie stars now. movie stars yeah really dude. you know it's so funny because when we watch SNL, I feel like the natural inclination is to complain and be like, oh, the writing has gotten so bad or like the actors have gotten like so lazy or everything's corporate. But then you give it like two years and it's the best I cast with you. of all time. I know. As with any sort of institution or anything that has longevity, it's like there's all and that spans multiple decades and generations. Right. There's always going to be a thing where it was better when it was right. better in my day. And right. that's always going to be the case. It's that way. We know sports fans. Well, like LeBron's great, but like Bill Russell, though, back right. in the day, he was a one. But you clock on all of the, like, uh, big comedy movies of yeah. the last 20 years. Yeah. And everyone, it's like two degrees of separation yes. from Saturday Night Lauren Night. Lauren has his hand in all that stuff, yeah. it seems like. He's a masterful producer. Truly, yeah. yeah. I think that was my cast. But you, and I, I'm assuming it's the same as you, when you first yeah. sort of entered into the SNL oeuvre, that yeah. was our cast. Uh, well, I'm, yes. I'd say, like, Mike Myers, Phil Hartman oh, oh, was man. kind of like uh, – Maybe Norm Macdonald at doing Weekend Update. That was like slightly before Rock Sandler, et cetera, right? Yeah. Maybe just I, like a I think so. Yes, I think so. Yeah. But like that whole era yeah. was where it was just on. I would go so far as to say that Phil Hartman may be my fate, my most beloved and most treasured comedic entity, yeah. period, yeah. maybe, I think, like in the world, in yep. the, the history. What a voice. Man. What oh, a voice man. for comedy. <laughs> when you can just say things normally and get people to just laugh hard. Uh, he was really incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you would maybe watch it with your folks at home, like, but it wasn't like necessarily like every Saturday, 1130, like you sit down in front of the TV and like tune into SNL. No. It wasn't necessarily that regimented. No. Yeah. No, it wasn't. But I could still tell you, even at that time, everything you needed to know about Chris Rock and Chris Farley and David Spade. It, they were just, they were so dynamic. Yeah. And Chris Farley, I mean, just to put some light on my favorite. Yeah. I don't know if anyone's ever made me laugh as hard, Visceral. as easily. Ooh. As easily as <laughs> as as him, and I think that was his reputation yeah. in the offices too. And stuff. yeah, yeah, it was just 
then you put that little David Spade. I know. They're like they, Laurel and Hardy. They just look like the number 10 standing next to each other. <laughs> they're just so perfect. So easy to watch. I know. Yeah. I know. That's our sweet Beverly Hills Ninja. Right. We love Chris Farley. Right. Yes. They're all, they all just, I mean, that generation specifically, and there's yeah. so many others that we can and will talk about. Yes. But that generation specifically was just candy. And it stands the test of time. Truly. You can go back. And it's just such absurd comedy. The movies, I mean, the, all the movies, obviously, The Tommy Boy and The Black Sheep, and yes. like all those movies from that era are still so deeply hilarious. Oh, uh, yeah. But you're right, like the sketches from, the, from that era were just unbelievable. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, that, that was a really, that was a sort of a very rich time for Saturday Night Live, I feel we, like. We loved Chris Farley and David Spade so much that we said, okay, yes, you made Black Sheep or yes, you made Tommy Boy. Those are the same exact movies with one different Instagram filter. <laughs> They really it. are. Same movie doesn't. We don't care. This can, one with Bo Derek though. Yeah, this one could be about brake pads, and this one can be about a, like a mayor. An election doesn't matter. Same plot. Put him in a house. Let stuff fall on Farley. It's like, that's almost the beauty of SNL, too. It's just like, they know, it's like, it knows what we want. <laughs> we want Lord, the fat guy Lord to fall knows down. what we want. Yeah. We want the fat guy to fall down and the smart guy behind the desk to have an interesting take. And when you say that, like, Laura Michaels, it's almost like his superpower is his taste, like you said. Because it's like, he is, I don't know, probably in his 60s or 70s now. He's been doing this for 40 plus years. Mm-hmm. When Not Ready from Primetime Players started, he was probably in his 20s or 30s yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, 20s, but you're right. I believe. His like eye for talent just never wavers, even as comedic tastes, popular comedic tastes change and evolve over 42 years. Right. That he still has maintained this incredibly sharp taste and eye for what is funny now in 1978, in 1983, in 1991, in yep. 95, in 2016. Yes. And for him to sort of be um, that evolved as a comedic scout, if yeah. you will, is amazing. I mean, is his Foresight. Foresight. Yeah. Because he has to catch the talent before they're already Adam Sandler. That's right. He has to see just a nugget. Just a nugget is perfect. You can't be too famous to come on SNL. Exactly. You need to be like two innings before That's your fame's about to totally, peak. totally the case. Yeah. And like, I feel like you and I, and now it's sort of, and we'll get into this maybe in later in the episode, but now it's exciting for us to see our peers yeah. be those folks. It's like you and I knew that Kate McKidden was basically the funniest thing that could be right. in New York at the UCB, maybe like three or four years prior to her being on SNL. Right. And then it was great to see the world discover Kate McKinnon for their for themselves. Right. And for them to be like, who is this brand new talent? Not brand new to us, not brand new to Lauren, but right. like new to the world and now is going to be a megastar forever. Correct. And it's like, shh. so yeah, so Lauren really's got his finger on the pulse, man. That's right. Just continues to have his finger on the pulse. Do you have a favorite song that makes you think of New York? Well, this is a bit of a melancholy. I have. I mean, there's many, many, many. This Let's is a bit it. of a melancholy one, maybe a little long. Go. I do love the LCD Sound System song "New York, I Love You." Yes. It's a little melancholy. A little melancholy. Little long. It's a little. Might make long. our podcast go about two hours. And 15 minutes. <laughs> great song though. Super New York, great. I love you, but you're bringing me down. It's just the first one that came to mind. Okay. Yeah, this is the first one that happened to come to mind. I mean, we could. What's yours? Do you have a song? Do you have a, like a go-to New York? I mean, Nas' "New York State of Mind" is in there. That's fun. That's like. Dun, 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 dun. Please, na, na, please. Na, na, I mean, na, na. that works. That's very much Frank? in the spirit of SNL. Frank? I feel like Saturday Night Live, Frank Sinatra, these are like old New York institutions. All right, we're celebrating New York and we're celebrating Frank. Oh, sweet blue eyes. <laughs> New York, New York. We'll be back right after this. Start spreading the news I'm leaving today 
heard of it. New York, New York, these vagabond shoes are longing to stray right through the very heart of it. New York, New York, I want to wake up in a city that doesn't sleep. Find I'm king of the hill, top of the heap. These little town blues are melting away. I'll make a brand new start of it in old New York if I can. That was the little-known hit, New York, New York, by the up-and-coming artist, Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra. He's a young guy. He's a young guy. He's going to be big, I tell you. I think I've heard him. Green eyes? Green eyes, um, uh, blonde hair, long ponytail. You know him. Yeah. Frank Sinatra. Russian. Russian. He's a Russian man. Yeah. I'll look uh, out for him. Yeah. So that song is played, I want to say, at the end of every home New York Yankees victory. Oh, sure. Every single home game that they win, they play that song. Yep. Yep. That's a great... If you're from New York and you're a little bit drunk, oh, man. That you sing that loud. It's critical. Yeah. Um, and not again, not to like be too sort of... Uh, grave about it, but one of the seminal New York moments, obviously in the wake of September 11th, like two of the big things that really brought New York almost back to its feet were the New York Yankees playing in the postseason that year and going to the World Series playing the Diamondbacks okay. and Saturday Night Live. And I remember that first episode back where Giuliani came yeah. and introduced the thing. All the firemen, all the cops were on stage. Do you remember the joke? Do you remember? No, I don't. So it was very somber. The whole scene was set up and like New York was like hurting, seriously hurting. Yes, we were mourning. And... 
it was really like one of those things where it was like, all right, what's going to be the first thing that's going to like release this pressure? Exactly. We just need something. And Giuliani and Lauren Michaels are on stage flanked by all these cops and firemen. And they give a very sincere kind of state of New York, where we're at, mm-hmm. what we need to do. Mm-hmm. And then he, uh, Lauren Michaels asked Rudy Giuliani, he says, is it okay for us to be funny? Right. And Giuliani said to Lauren Michaels, why start now? Oh, come on, Rudy. Huge, <laughs> huge laugh. And it was really the show could go Catharsis. on. Catharsis. Yeah, the show could go on. Because SNL is this like, it's so intertwined with New York City and oh. New York City culture. I mean, it and is. And the opening there. credits are like, I know. Like New Yorkers doing New Yorker things and the music, like loud, up tempo jazz. Yes. It just feels like the spirit it is. of New York. It is. It is the spirit of New York. And Billy, you um, worked at Saturday Night Live. Yes. For a while. Well, worked implies that you got paid. I interned. You were staffed. Yes. Yeah, so you I were, was staffed yeah. as a writer, basically a writer's assistant at SNL. Yes. And that was maybe around 9-11. No, before September 11th. No, years oh. after. Okay, forgive me. Years after. So why don't you just sort of like spell out how you got into that? So, um, yes. I interned at SNL. Um, I was taking classes at UCB. Yeah. When I was like maybe like 19 to 21 or so. Yep. yep. And I'd done all the classes and I was just really starting to appreciate this world of comedy. Yes. And when you're in New York City, sometimes it just feels like anything's possible. Yeah. And not in the like, just kind of like go out into the world and like <laughs> accept it all. Like you just believe that if you work hard enough in New York City, you, you get what you earn. Because you sort of see it around you. It's also tangible. Right. I guess. Yeah. And so for whatever reason, I was doing these comedy classes yep. and I was inspired enough to say, well, what would be the like most exciting next step? Yeah. And that would be to see it in motion at Saturday Night Live. Yes. So I went to like some Long Island printer <laughs> and I asked them for good card stock for yes. my resume. Because, because you're living in Long Island at the time, commuting into the city to take UCB classes. Correct. Driving my Honda Elantra. Big up. <laughs> <laughs> and I make this like resume that has the fact that I worked at a deli and a hot skating rink and I've taken a couple UCB classes. Yeah. And I mail it to whoever at, actually his name's Kevin Miller, at Saturday Night Live. Great. And I found that on like deep net- Netscape. Love that. You know, it's like early internet. <laughs> and time passes. Yes. And I f- don't forget about it, but I don't expect Your it. Your life moves on. Yeah. Everybody probably every kid who has a vague interest in comedy probably sent a resume for their summer internship. To Kevin Miller at SNL. Why wouldn't they? Okay. Well, I got the call. I got the call when I really needed the call. So yep. bad things have been going on in my life and I needed this call. Yep. Got the call and it was uh, a guy who's like, Hey, this is Kevin Miller from Saturday Night Live. Do you want to come in for an interview? When you're like twenty one years old like? and yeah. someone on the other end of a landline <laughs> tells you Saturday just the word Saturday Night Live pop Ooh. out. Um, yes. Where can I go? Where can we meet? It must have felt like you were floating. Next couple of days, I go to Saturday Night Live, and I sit down with this guy. So that's at 30 Rock. Yeah, so you're actually go- taking the train yes. into the city. Taking the train into the city. Yeah, man. The subway in, and I know... Are I'm you, like, like, nervous as you go in? Are you- I'm looking around. I'm on the subways, and I'm looking around at everyone's faces. And I don't live in the city yet, so I'm not, like, that acclimated right. to, like, everyone's day-to-day grind. Sure. But I'm looking around, and I'm like, I wonder where everyone else is going. One thing I know, where I'm going is cooler <laughs> than where everyone it's else like internally, in hole. internally. And when you've never been to Saturday Night Live, which 99.9% right. of the world I hasn't. I have never. Um, you would, I thought it would be like Oz. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so limitless yeah. at Saturday Night Live. Like the show seems so limitless. When they're doing a monologue and they walk into the hallway, you'll see Abraham Lincoln and a camel <laughs> yeah. and like just a gymnast like doing backflips in the hall. And they make you believe that this is a 24-7 fun house. Yes. And in your cartoon mind, that's the office environment. Exactly. 
I show up and I have to get a pass. Yeah. So immediately it's illusion not shattered. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Go up to the seventh, I think seventh or eighth floor. Yeah. And you get off and it's this kind of corporate looking hallway. Sure. And I'm look, walking around and it's like narrow and small. 30 low, Rock is an old building. Low ceilings. I'm like, this is not glamorous. <laughs> yeah. But I turned down this one hall and there is a head, there's little eight by 10 headshots of every single cast member in order Sick. that just goes down this hall. Again, not a fancy hall, yeah. just a hall. Yes. Like any hall. If you're at work right now, look at your hall. Okay. That's what it looks like. People work here. It's utilitarian. It's, yes. it's functional. Right. Yeah. It's summertime, so no one's there. No caster there, but this one guy, Kevin, is. Got it. He sits me down, and on his desk is a stack of resumes. I'd say 100 to 200, Ten. 300 high. Like, Plenty. It takes a lot of paper to look like a stack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really does. You know does, what I mean? Yeah. Like, even like 30 pieces of paper. Like, Doesn't make probably, a dent. We're looking at like an inch and a half. For it to read as a stack, you're yeah. talking hundreds, triple and maybe, digits at least. Maybe he just wanted to impress me, and he put reams and reams of paper underneath. It's just one of the Harry Potter books printed I, out. I just don't think Kevin had to do that. Why would he deceive? Right. He explained to me that every, almost every other intern at the um, – at at NBC, frankly, because yes. this is when Conan was doing his show. Sure. And I think Last Call was with Carson Daly yep. was doing his show. Yep. And we were all on studios across 30 Rock. Yep. He was saying that everyone has a connection in. Maybe it's a producer uncle. Maybe your cousin was an intern before. But everyone has a connection A little in. bit of nepotism. And I was the one, one, who just simply didn't. Connectionless. Connectionless. <clears throat> I don't know if I was top of the list. He wouldn't tell me why or if there was actually a reason at all. My, my resume, like I said, had sandwiches Deli? and roller skates Okay. On so, These are my skills. Right. He picked me. He picked me. His one piece of advice was, don't be a comedian when you're here. Interesting. And, and this wasn't, he wasn't telling that, he wasn't telling me that because I had a vague background in comedy, He's taking a few classes. What he was saying is, I'm telling this to every person who's not hired to be a comedian here. Don't pitch jokes. Don't try and be silly. Don't try and win people over that way. Okay. Good piece of advice. You're not leaping from intern to cast regular in months. Don't think that's going to happen to you. Know your role. It's not going to happen. Know your role. Good lesson and good thing to hear before it even starts. Seriously. Because now you can enter with a here to serve. Yes. And when you serve and do your job well, people recognize that That's as value. value. Yes. No, no comedian whose job it is to, is to be professionally funny is going to be concerned with how funny you are. God, that intern is hilarious, said Fred Armisen to Will Forte. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Who's that intern? Can we get him in here? He's right. so funny. He is necessary for the show. I don't think that probably is ever said. So my job primarily was to um, – so the way that SNL works is that on Monday, the ca the host, the person who's going to be hosting the show, the celebrity du jour, yes. comes in and meets a couple people. It's a very loose day, very light day. Cool. Day two, writer's day. Great. They write all – yes, that's how it works. They write all night. Or yep. They write through the night. Yep. And um, they meet with the host again. Yeah. And that's where I am photocopying everything. Everything. And if there's something topical in the news <laughs> – so this is 2000 and like – let's call it 2003 okay. or so. Okay. Okay. If there's something in the news, SNL needs to parody it in Obviously. some capacity. But what they need first is the source. They need the source material so that they can parody it correctly. Properly. And that might be like a tape of that interview. Because, again, the internet wasn't – no one was sitting at their desk 2003. <clears throat> it could have been a book that was in the news. Cool. I would be going to Virgin Megastore wow. in Times Square. Wow. Rest in peace. Rest and getting all of these books and things like that. Oh, I was also getting them all their food. I was an intern yeah. Monday through Friday. You're gophering. You're yeah. fetching them things. Yeah. They right. were, but I was there 40 hours a week. It was a full-time job. Amazing. Now, so, just for con for historical context, yeah. can you just – 2003, so we're dealing with what cast? Yes. Will Ferrell and Tracy Morgan left last year. Got it. The we can update 
correspondents are two no-names, Tina Fey and Jimmy Fallon. Who are these guys? Um, Amy Poehler, Maya Rudolph. This was Fred Armisen's first season. Oh. This was Will Forte's first season. Oh. Daryl Hammond is still there. Um, it was great. Great. Jason Sudeikis uh, oh, wow. was still a writer. Wow, so just a writer. There's only been two writers who I believe have uh, crossed over to performer. One was Adam Sandler. Wow. And one was Jason Sudeikis. Okay, okay great. Yeah. So we're dealing with some, there is like a high volume of comedic genius just around. Casual. Just around. Just casual. So down this one boring hallway <laughs> with yeah. little office offshoots where people are writing and then one huge con- conference room yep. where everyone's hanging. Yep. That's it. Great. And so it's me and four other interns, the 12 writers and the eight cast members. Yeah. So this is a collective team of 28. Yeah. I am definitely 28 of 28 <laughs> yeah. on the list. Make no mistake. Yeah. But I'm, I'm witnessing it all. But at least you know that. And I just want to interject with a compliment here, Bill, which is that you – one of the things I like and admire about you is that um, you are not a – you are obviously hilarious and a funny person, but you know when to turn it off. <laughs> and I feel like that – and for someone to say to an intern, please don't be funny. And it's just like I Done. feel like that – I get it. I, I could see that falling on deaf ears my point yeah and for a, like a young ucb up and cover to go in there and like crack jokes and crack wise and make best friends with will forte and what better opportunity you're in the you're building. there you're there you're literally in the building i'm gonna make my mark on lorne i could like see every intern at some point having some version right. of that thought cross their mind and i know that that is not who you are and right so i can imagine that kevin was thrilled <laughs> yeah we've talked about it a bunch where it's just you and i where our favorite comedians are the ones who know when not to joke yeah, around you can just also be a human in, in the world take That's a breath okay. yeah. we made a podcast called no joke <laughs> Based, based on that, I know. I know. Um, but they would do read-throughs yes. of maybe sixty or so sketches. Sixty, yeah. So and there's twelve writers and eight performers. Everyone's responsible for two or three. Everyone's bringing something in, and that's real paper. Wow. And so that's you know, right. there's what I mean is that each sketch is six pages long. There's thirty people sitting around this conference <laughs> table reading it, and then there's about fifteen more producers, set designers, wardrobe. Everyone needs to consider what they might have to do in this. So each sketch in read-through is probably about 200 pieces of paper and i'd say 48 of those 60 don't get made yeah and those scripts all those scripts get dumped on the floor this is a wednesday night the read through goes for about two and a half three hours by the end there's about Four inches of paper oh my God. on the ground. It is a remarkable waste of creative it's energy. It reminds me of when you and I, quick sidebar, went to visit our mutual friend Steve at the Mercantile Exchange downtown, and everyone was just discarding their New York Post and Daily News on the ground, so much so that at the end of the day, it was like a C up to one shins of paper. So maybe something like that. Yes. So these weren't uh, these weren't ticker tape from right. the stock market, from the mercantile market. Right. This was just dead. Sketches that Tina Fey wrote. Dead sketch company yeah. that yeah. elite comedians yeah. wrote that never will be seen. Yeah. But then the real treat. So I would have done it all for the blue collar work. Love it. I would have been there just to get Jimmy Fallon, whatever he needed. Horatio Sands was there, whatever he needed, just to hear the small talk between Fred Armisen and Amy Poehler. Just to be there. And these were like kids. These guys, these performers were still kids, but I would have done it just for that. But I ha- we, every intern at SNL had to be there Saturday night. Oh. Had to be there for the show. Had to get there at like noon. Wow. Noon. Wow. What happens at noon on the Saturday? Not a lot. But you have to be there because if something does, right. you have to be there. Right. Wigs because, are being made. Costumes are being finished. Like, yeah, but that some... really doesn't – like I'm in the writer's department. Right. I'm there to assist the writers and the performers if there's something they need. Because you have to remember, SNL, as we all know, is a live television right. show, <laughs> meaning that changes are made up until the sketch airs. Not yes. until the show airs, until that sketch airs. Yes. So we are doing all final prep work. Maybe like everyone's revising scripts just little, little, little. Like maybe we have to run out and get something. We're just there to be the band-aids on whatever could potentially go wrong. Yes. But then they have the dress rehearsal. And the dress rehearsal is about 
two and a half hours long. Wow. And here's a piece of advice for anybody who wants to go to New York City and try and get tickets to Saturday Night Live. Okay. Don't try and get tickets to the show. Ooh, Wait outside oh. and go to the dress rehearsal. Oh, yeah. Two reasons. One, much higher likelihood that you get in. You the show is substantially longer. It's like a time and a half, and you get to see the audience, uh, the uh, performers be so loose. Yeah, because this one doesn't matter. They're trying to figure it out, but it's still treated for time and everything else very seriously. And then it's like a comprehensive experience too, because then when you watch the episode later, then you can compare what you saw of the dress to what finally made the cut, and you can sort of see the machinations of it a little bit. And there's no, it's so cool. So that's yeah. where the interns shine. So yeah. they build out a show that's roughly two hours long mm-hmm. for dress, and then. That show ends at call it 10. Their real show goes live at 11.30. So now what they have to do is figure out where are we losing that 30 real to the minute minutes? Where How are we going to rearrange sketches? Jesus. How are we going to – they cut lines. And so now scripts are flying in a million different directions because what's most important is that every script change then goes to the cue card guy. Got it. The cue card guy is ultimately the one who needs to know. Like secretly the most important part of the entire process. So like- me <laughs> and like a, our friend Ben Craw, who oh, I yes. met at SNL. Love you, Ben. We were literally sprinting. At times, when a script was changed, <laughs> up like up a flight of stairs, down a hallway. One time, I almost smashed into Adam Sandler. Smash, <laughs> like with velocity. Yeah, I was going. They had a spiral staircase that gets you from one floor to the next. And Lorne Michaels has all of his famous friends watch the show from his special room. Oh, that's nice. And they were all flooding out, and I was <laughs> going a hundred. Yeah. Um, but SNL, man, it was such an amazing experience, and the cool way to just at least at least cap my experience yeah. there. Did it for a year, and there's plenty more we can talk about in the yeah, third act if course, we want to. Of course. But they asked me to come back and intern again, and I made the decision not to because I was ready to do it with my new group that I was just starting called Harvard Sailing Team. And we are so thankful for that. Yeah. We're also very thankful for the people who interact with us. Oh, my gosh. Are we? So we thought that we would send out a super weird, this may fail, this may be funny. Yeah. Thank you to them. Yes. So if you've interacted with us on Twitter or on the iTunes review chart or in, on email or any, any way else. We so much appreciate it. That we want to make you feel like an SNL cast member today. It's, at the, it's the least that we could do. So if we don't say your name on this round, apologies. We'll find another way later. Okay. But for now, enjoy our thank you to you, the listener. We'd like to thank... Jogger 29. Shark Attack. That blogger guy, Happy Emoji. Pitter King. Mr. Hesselbaum. Chappelle Sarah W. I am so cool. Miss underscore Mahanti. Bosh woman. Evan Speck X Wooten. Chris Lechak. Featuring... The Game Boy. She saves the day. Jackson T. Morgan. Megan S. Wilkerson Katie. Untested number two. Joel Young 30. Boriesville Dad. 
see. That was just a little thank you that we wanted to send out to all of our interactors out there. Um, totally aping the voice of famed SNL voice, Don Pardo, <laughs> That's I think right. is his name? The yeah. late, great Don Pardo. Yeah. Yes. He died in 2014. Okay. Um, but up until that, I believe he was the single voice that you heard over the theme credits. The one that said the cast members like this. They had him. So the stage at SNL is pretty big. It's three stages. Oh, so wow. there is the... Um, performer stage, like where the bands will often sure, play. Sure. Then there's the monologue stage yes. that gets uh, switched around a lot, but you need that stage to be steady because the band is obviously yeah. there. And then you have your swing stages where the sets are literally being thrown in wow. and thrown out. So it's like, if you can just tease the stages enough. Yes. It's, but it's not that big. Right. But they kept him, Don, in this funny little, not a cage. Uh, like a voice, <laughs> like a voice re- it's a voice recording booth. It's like, but it's just like he was so isolated. Like, yeah. And I always found it so funny. He always seemed like a parrot perched in his cage, <laughs> yeah. like so separated from all the action. But what you have to understand is that he was a very old man. Yeah. And the show starts at 1130. It's late. Late. It's late. <laughs> and I often, like, I never really, like, he, I never really got to know the guy. He yeah. was only there on Saturdays. But I, all, I often was just like, how does he, like, keep Stay up this, like, up. vigor? And turns out he doesn't. <laughs> he says the names. He says, and now welcome, like, Jennifer Lopez. And then he goes to sleep. He goes home. He <laughs> goes home? Sleep. He sleeps right there in the cage? He did when I saw Oh, him. my God. Like, Why wouldn't you? So there's ways of sleeping on an airplane. There's, like, <laughs> if, the air, if the seat folds in, you can rest your head on the side. Definitely. But at some point, we all get pathetic, and it, we rest our forehead on the seat in front. I've done it many times. And if you're slick, <laughs> you can drop your chin down onto the top of your chest. Yep, right on your like clap, your sort of collarbone. Well, Don could. He could just rest. <laughs> so he went into this state, and I would wonder why he stays. Yeah, like you've said all all you need to say. Yeah, yeah. But maybe there's something more that needs to be said. <laughs> but Don, I just want to say you're just in case. Right. Yeah. We didn't fall asleep after saying your names. Yeah. And thank you guys. That's unbelievable. Yes. Um, and uh, Billy, I know. I mean, one of the sort of one of the other elements of Saturday Night Live that adds to its mystique and its prestige and its myth um, are these after parties and like yes. the after parties that exist after the show these are like I feel like legendary show so business comedy right. events so that right. traditionally go to the break of dawn that go to the next morning they and I know start they, at the break of dawn <laughs> yeah, of course. and they're real yes they're real and I know from first hand experience that you have gone to a bunch of these obviously. it's a shame I didn't know you I know I didn't know you like that <laughs> I know. when I was going to these you and Ben were gallivanting around town so look when you're 20, 21, I'd say, yeah. you, you're still like coming out of puberty and right. you're still trying to figure out your place in the world. You sure. just graduated college and yes. you think you're hot shit, but then you come into the real world and you're like, oh, I'm a freshman oh, again. I just print out paper for the adults. You, you just try and pick your spot right. for where you're like, you know what? I'm being, I feel validated. Yeah. I feel cool. Totally. So it's now the first Saturday that we are doing the first show. Cool. Jack Black is the host. Nice. And... I don't think it's Justin Timberlake. Oh, John Mayer. John Mayer. And John Mayer is the musician. Okay. And so this is that season. And so the interns are like, we're pals because we recognize that like – that we're like totally low ranking in this environment. But how many interns are there? I think four. Okay. I think four. Okay. And uh, maybe five. Then we rotated throughout the week. Great. But what we were trying to figure out was, yes, we're like accepted in in this SNL community in 30 Rock. Yeah. But are we invited – to the after party? Yeah. Are we SNL out in the world? Yes. Yeah. Will SNL like 
big us up yeah. and be like, no, they're with us. Yeah. Because, like, we're running your scripts okay, everywhere. Yeah. We're smashing into Adam Sandler on your behalf. We're trying. We're trying really hard. So we didn't even know necessarily how the party ends. Our assumption was that the show ends at 1. The after party's probably at one thirty. Right. Uh, so that's not the case. No. They're real human beings who just did a dress rehearsal, then a real show. It's now 1 o'clock. Those dudes need dinner. They need to eat. They've expended so much energy, adrenaline. Yep. They need to feast. There's an inner circle where Lauren brings out some people for dinner, and then everyone else will get their own personal dinner. So from 1.30 to about 3.30, just take a break. This is a.m. This is a.m. It's insane. 1.30 to 3.30, if you're a cast member, just chill. You know, get get some bread. So party start at (laughs) 4. Oh, my God. Hard 4. This was my season, and it wasn't just like once. This is how it worked. Yeah. And so, Okay. We find out that the party's at four. And just, just not to be too micro, whatever, but like when you say we found out, like literally how are you finding out? There's so like there's an invite like, flyer. Like any company, there's social rank. <laughs> yeah. And you know who you can get to and you know who they're connected <laughs> yeah, to that yeah. can ultimately get you the information yep. you need. Even within the walls of SNL, and maybe that's because my point of view on it was so skewed as I only get certain information. You're 28 of 28. Yeah. Yeah. That, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that... You know, we had to wait for the information to trickle down. Right. But what we heard was that, yes, there is a party. And, yes, the interns <laughs> are going to be allowed Whoa, to come. Baby. And now we're fired up. But we don't know where the party will be. Okay. You find out Mystery at about 3.30 because information travels fast. And the SNL after party is the hottest party. Truly. Saturday night. These things are legendary. Legendary. Yeah. <laughs> so we so we go to another bar. Us and the four interns. Me and the four interns go to yeah. another bar. Kill time until about 3.30 when one of us gets the text. <laughs> oh, it just shit. says... 4040 Club. Oh, what a text. 4040 Club, for those who don't know who have never traveled to New York, was at one point one of the coolest clubs in New York City because it was owned by one Jay-Z. Sean Carter. Yeah. New York's own. Named after Barry Bonds because he had 40 home runs and 40 steals in one season. Didn't know that. That's cool. A very elite club. Only few have ever made it to the 4040 Club. That's cool. Billy Scafuri was now invited to the 4040 Club. So now you tell yourself... Well, nothing can get cooler. Just the invite, just seeing 4040 Club on a text, yeah. nothing can get cooler. Yeah. I'm only 21 years old. And then you walk in to the 4040 Club. On site, it's one of those cool New York places Ugh. that you immediately feel like Cinderella at the yes, ball. You just yes. can't believe it, how real. cool it looks. But then you look to your right, and it's still like the music's kind of low, yep. still kind of quiet. Yep. And you look to your right, and there's Jack Black just chopping it up. Chilling. Then you look to your right. And there's Lindsay Lohan just chopping it up. We're all friends here. Look ahead. This is all real. This is literally on site me walking And this is your first – this is the season premiere or whatever. This is like your first after party ever. Yes, which means that this is important to a lot of people. This is like going to be a cool event. Yep. I look straight ahead and Dave Chappelle is there. Dave Chappelle. Apex Dave Chappelle, I should mention. Chappelle show is on. Exactly. Peak, peak Chappelle. Famousest person in America. Everyone's chilling. It's kind of a low-key environment right now. still hundreds of people. Yes, Chilling though, like kind of low key. There's a DJ, but he's playing kind of lounge music. And then, and I had only heard the song a few times. I got a drink, and me and all my friends got a drink. And we're chilling. We're trying to figure out like, is this gonna pop off? Yep. We're gonna have a good time. And then the DJ puts on a song that I'd only heard a few times, but never in this kind of environment. And the crowd went so bananas, and it's still an all time great song. It starts like this: One, two, three, go! My baby, don't mess around because if I... dude, that place. Just started dancing. Hey, I and took not over. like grinding, fist pumping, like old school feeling good. Oh. We're all so proud of ourselves. <laughs> that song is just so feel good. The drums are so it's light. It's euphoric. Those parties would go on to be some of the most 
absolutely fun nights of my life. That's incredible. Hanging out with Snoop Dogg in the back of a like a pool hall. <laughs> yeah. We're going to UCB. One time Amy Poehler hosted this UCB where it was like this famous club shut us down or wasn't going to happen. So Amy Poehler's like, you know what? I got this other club and it's 10 times as good. I own this theater. That was the, that was when Jessica Simpson and Nick Lachey, who we talked about recently, Nick yes, Lachey, yes. were the hosts of the show that Amazing. week. And they were partying at UCB Amazing. and it was just like, it was so, so surreal. So during the actual show itself, when it's being... T- performed yeah you billy 28 of 28 intern are physically where i am either on the floor because i just delivered some sort of script to somebody or i'm up in the writer's room wow. watching the show on closed circuit monitor with the other interns some and writers, writers the writers now kind of drinking beers and chopping it up their, their work is done you know so now they're just drinking in the office just like who cares our job that was a stressful week and that's done amazing yeah any musical performances that really stand out in your mind from your time at snl well there was Did one that everyone was great um the one that stands out was probably one of the last weeks and i think the host was like oh the Ols- the olsons the okay olsons. wow they got they got to host yeah the olsen twins got to host nice and um so they hosted and i think the musical guest was chingy okay uh <laughs> might have not been chingy it's the guy who sings error in the club get tipsy sure yeah yeah whoever uh, that is in the club get, get tipsy. tipsy i just remember that lauren michaels uh disliked that song so much that he said he doesn't get a second song <laughs> oh, which is like kind of unprecedented I th- that's what i was saying <laughs> yeah, too yeah. i didn't i can't remember anyone else he got cut off just they just, no 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 second song for him that's amazing but we talked about ucb and this is the third act of the no joke podcast yep. and i think it's relevant to bring this up so we partied at the ucb and obviously you and i've done hundreds of shows at the ucb mm-hmm. but amy poehler who uh was on a cast member of SNL for forever. Sure. Um, is a founder of the UCB Theater. Yep. Her sketch comedy troupe was called the Upright Citizens Brigade. They yep. started in Chicago and then they opened up a theater in New York. Yep. I would go so far as to say that Amy Poehler is our Lord Michaels. And you've, go on. You've said this before. Yeah. I mean, we've had this conversation before about like who is the almost natural mantle taker yeah. of Lauren Michaels if and when he ever – I don't even know if he is mortal. He might literally <laughs> never die uh, <laughs> or retire. He certainly won't retire. Right. <laughs> That's for sure. Right. Um, but you have proposed that the sort of natural or get the spirit of Lauren Michaels right. and the spirit of collaboration, the not ready for primetime players, that essence lives on in Amy Poehler and the UCB to a certain extent. Right. And it's like SNL isn't – I would say so important that it needs to live on post Lorne. Right. There seems something logical about like saying when that when he gives it up, maybe it's a nice time to put it down. Right. Maybe not. Right. Maybe she is the most logical. But I would go as far as to say that she has already done what Lorne has Seriously. done without the need for a television show. Yes, you're right. The strength of her theater. And now when you look at every working comedian from Rob Riggle to Paul Shear to Jason Manzukas, to everybody has a foot or has had has some credit to give. To the upright citizens. Yeah. I mean, Donald Glover, DC Pearson, everybody. us, Ben Schwartz, Adam Pally. Everybody. Everyone you've kind of heard of, everyone, everyone started at this theater. And, you know, everyone says that Lauren gave me the opportunity to be on SNL. Right. And he's like, you know, he guided me and stuff. Right. She did that too Absolutely. in very indirect ways. She created this philosophy of what a community should be like, that yeah. shows should be $5, that it yeah. shouldn't be hard to perform. It should be, you should be performing a lot yes. and doing it over and over and over again. She created this environment that allowed you and I yeah. to do what we do. And there's a joy. There's like a simply a joy. Like it's no accident that Amy Poehler was the voice of joy or whatever an insight. Right. It's like, this is what she is. And like, right. 
I feel like her essence is so mirth, mirthful right. that that really also sort of permeates. But you're so right. It's like in the way that we're saying that Lauren Michaels' footprint is so far-reaching and just touches every seemingly every corner of the entertainment industry. Yep. I think you're right. Like especially in comedy, which is the prestige of comedy, even over the past few years, has been elevated to like high art. Right. Uh, Amy Poehler and the UCB. They're all. I mean, you can't escape them. Yeah. That spider web is wide and thick. Yeah. Yeah. It goes everywhere. God bless it. God bless it indeed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. And it's 42 years old, yeah. SNL. Who yeah. knows how much longer it will go? Yeah. But we'll be talking about it forever. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, you're so right. It's like, it's very uh, fashionable to be like, eh, it was better when, it was better then, it was better before. Right. Every single time I check in with a contemporary cast of SNL, which, again, full disclosure, includes some of our friends, Beck and Kyle, and like our peers right. who are like now on the show, which right. is a thrill in and of itself. That shit is hilarious. Right. It is so funny. Right. I think Leslie Jones and A.D. Bryant and Kim, look, this is not like a novel opinion. They're the funniest people around. Right. They're so hysterical. Yeah. And, and appreciate it while you got it. Yeah. Appreciate it while you got Certainly it. Certainly do. Because SNL won't be here forever. Maybe so. But it's been great while we've had it. It sure has. I love hearing your SNL stories, Bill. I've heard them a million times. I could hear them a million times over. Yeah. Truly. Next time we'll have an actual cast member yeah, on the show. That's, and yeah. they'll give us even more exactly. knowledge. Garrett Morris. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the No Joke Podcast for it. I am Billy Scafuri. I'm Adam Lustig. We will talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening. That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>